and sisters welcome to another podcast for the book i need answers man oh man we're getting near the end and today we're going to be talking about something very important i know it's going to be kind of emotional we have a lot to cover and i'm very passionate about this issue i hope i behave i'm going to try to behave i'm going to do my best but i'm not going to make any promises Chapter 10, I want to be a deacon, I think. So with that being said, let's go right into the prayer. Like I said, we have a lot to talk about. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, I mean, holy, holy, holy is your name, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for bringing us together. We ask that you open up our hearts and our minds so that we learn what you have prepared for us today. I ask God that you give me the ability to speak, use me as a vessel and accept the services that I offer up unto you. Through the intercession of the most holy Theotokos and all of the saints, for blessed are you unto ages and ages. Amen. Ooh. Mm. Like I said, I'm going to try to behave and, you know, <laughs> Jesus is watching. So I'll be careful, but I'm going to start with a rather controversial point. Especially those of you guys who are in the D.C. area. Remember, I think it was like three, four years ago. I don't think it was that long. It was like two years ago. There is a member within the church community. I'm not going to say his name because I'm I'm trying to be nice. But he went uh, viral on Facebook and YouTube because he has like a lot, a lot of followers and stuff like that. And he made a video talking about he was going to expose the American deacons because they acted uh, inappropriately. And like he had videos of them at a club. I don't know how he was able to obtain those videos, meaning he was probably there too, but we're not going to get into that. Like I said, I'm going to behave. I'm going to behave. So like, it was like a big deal. And a lot of deacons were like, Oh no, we're going to be exposed. And it was just like, the whole thing was just like, uh, you know, like drama. Right. And I was like, Ooh, child, Mm-mm-mm. I was heated. And, and that's an understatement. Now I was heated for a couple of reasons. Number one, like what in the world is an American deacon? Like in his video, he kept talking about like, oh, these American deacons don't know this and they don't know that. And oh, these American deacons, but back in Ethiopia, oh my goodness, those Ethiopian deacons are perfect. Now I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what an American deacon is. Like our citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. We happen to be in the country of America, but a uh, deaconhood is 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 being an ambassador for Christ, whose citizenship again is the kingdom of heaven. So I don't know what he was trying to insinuate. For the record, I'm not saying this because somehow I'm offended by his comment. For the record, if we have to put it on the record, I received my deaconhood at Debre Libanos from Abunek Ostos in the monastery. So it's not about me. Like he didn't attack me at all. But this is just wrong. And I was I was heated. I was like, well, why is he talking about this? The second thing, what does it mean to expose people? Like, how is that Christianity? How is that the spirit of God, right? Like this mindset of like, oh, these deacons are doing something wrong. So I'm going to put them on blast and YouTube and all this stuff. I was heated. Like, oh my goodness, that was serious. And number three, and I think the main reason why I was so mad is he was absolutely correct. Like I hated admitting it. Like it was getting under my skin. But the reality is 
there's a huge crisis. There's a lot of young deacons that are not holding up to the criteria of what the deaconhood, what that office entails. Ah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say, I, very controversial. Why do most people not like President Trump? It's because he's not bringing dignity to the office of presidency, right? Like that office entails certain level of dignity. It doesn't matter if you agree with his policies or not. Just the very fact of how he behaves is like, what is he doing to the office of presidency? Deaconhood is more important. This is the see the office of St. Stephen, St. Athanasius. Like the greats that were before us, uh, we are holding that office. So for deacons to behave the way that they're behaving, you guys know exactly what I mean by that. Ah, ah, that's sad, especially on social media. Don't get me, don't get me started on this whole social media thing. So I was heated. Needless to say, I had to respond on YouTube or as a buddy of mine used to say, YouTube it. And uh, there's a video, if you guys want to see it, issues with the American deacons. And I, I, I go on there. So this chapter was inspired by that. Um, cause I knew I had to, I had to address it because there's a lot of things going on and there's a lot of problems, especially with the deacons in America, not American deacons, but deacons, uh, who live in North America, I should say, uh, are behaving in a way that is not going with what a deacon should be. Now, personally, I believe this issue of deacons not behaving in a way they should stems from the fact that the motivation behind them becoming a deacon is is not really what it should be. Let me explain what I mean. I have a friend of mine who told me that he didn't even know he was being ordained. So the story is, you know, one day his parents told him they, they had to wake up extra early than regular. He goes to church. Some dude, his words, came and touched him on his head. And the next thing that he knows is people were calling him a deacon, right? So he was ordained, but he didn't even know it. And he didn't know that he was a deacon until people started calling him this. Unfortunately, this is the reality of a lot of people within the church. I, You know, I shouldn't say a lot, but there are a group of deacons who... Maybe not to this level, but really are not, they don't understand what becoming a deacon entails. Of course, uh, I'm going to get into it later on. There's even, would that say come to vain glory, right? So we see like deacons are respected, you know, in a certain way. You get to sit with the priests, eat the food that's a little bit better than the congregation. You know that them kainats foods be tasting really, really well. So, you know, when you were like 14, 15, all these things are attractive. So you want to become a deacon until suddenly you have to start waking up at 4 a.m. and do the medicaments and, and the key dance and all that stuff. And you're like, look, I'm not, I'm not in it. So this is not a good enough reason to become a deacon. Then I often ask young folks, okay, so tell me why you want to be a deacon. And most of the time people tell me because I want to serve God. And I look at them, I'm like, I have some great news for you. If you want to serve God, you don't have to become a deacon, right? <laughs> we can serve God in all capacity and in, 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 in whatever way. Deaconhood is a specific type of service. It's not the only way to serve God. So one time I gathered a group of deacons and I asked them, like, why do you, why do you, why did you become a deacon? And they said, oh, because I want to serve God. 
And then I asked all the parents in the room to leave. And they said, and then I asked them again. And the kids responded, well, in reality, it's because my parents, <laughs> my parents forced me. And I think this is really the reality of a lot of a lot of um, young kids, 15 and 16 years old. There might be like a little season, a little part of them that's really interested. But most of the drive is coming from the parents. And I'll say that uh, more about this in a minute or two. But people ask me for my reason, reasoning, right? So they're like, okay, so that's the wrong reason to do it for your parents. So why did you become a deacon? And the truth is, I've never said the words, I want to become a deacon. And that's because, uh, like, when I was young, I remember listening to a sermon by uh, Father Anthony, who's a priest in the Coptic Orthodox Church, and he said the same thing about his priesthood. He he mentioned that he never really wanted to become a priest. And not he didn't want to become a priest, but he never said, like, make me a priest. I want to be a priest. His prayer was that he was going to serve God, and that really inspired me. And I, I had the same ideology, and that's really how I started to think, like, I just wanted to serve God in any way possible. If it meant to become a deacon, I would say I'm ready. Like I'm, I'm listening. Like I'll, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. If it wasn't, it wasn't. But I was just going to get my myself ready. And the way that I became a deacon is when I went to Ethiopia and I was learning Kene, which is the church form of poetry using Ethiopic or Ge'ez. As I was about to finish, my teacher asked me, hey, are you a deacon? I said, no. See, this was important because according to the church traditions, when you finish the training of kane or the poetry, you appear before the congregation and you perform this poetry, uh, a specific type of it, known as kabri iti or et And in our church t- tradition, you have to be a deacon to perform this poetry in the church. So... My teacher said, well, you can't you can't really finish the training unless you become a deacon, so you have to be ordained. And that's how I became ordained. It wasn't like I went and said, hey, please make me a deacon. I'm interested to become a deacon. I want to do this. It wasn't like my parents went and talked to a bunch of priests and, and told them, uh, hey, make him a deacon and stuff like that. It was like I was ready to serve God in any capacity. I wanted to learn about my church. But then there came a point where it was like, well, you can't move forward unless you're a deacon. And I said, look, I'm here to serve in any way. That means do deaconship, I'll do it. That's the reality. Now, when we go back and really try to understand the problem that we're in right now, the crisis that I keep coming back to, this, this number of, of young deacons being ordained, but especially if you talk to uh, the, the older ones, you will see there, there's a genuine fear of like, are these young kids understanding what they're doing? There's a fear of this. And it's not just like older priests or, or uh, just the congregation at large, right? And, and the reality is about like, I would say 10, 15 years ago, there was a real shortage of deacons. Those of you who may, may be laymen or, or not deacons or who are not part of clergy, I don't think you understand how exhausting services can be physically, right? There's so much stuff to do. Now, I can't get into it um, because all these things are mysteries and, and we can't talk about it in public. But just understand, it's extremely demanding. And for 10, 15 years, there were churches where one priest would conduct the entire service by himself. Again, like... You think it's hard just to show up on Sunday and listen to Kadase? It's 
like it takes everything out of you to perform it, to actually like go in and, and, and conduct the service, right? So more and more people were becoming ordained to assist the priest in this in this way. But in because there was a shortage, although there was a need to ordain deacons, I think the movement happened so fast there was no time to kind of like step back and say, hey, let's let's vet the deacons. Let's prepare them for what they need to do. Let's let's take time to really help them understand what this office entails. And again, a large part of the problem are parents because parents keep coming back and saying, my kid wants to serve God. My kid wants to do this, help him become a deacon. And then you know, the, the, the 14, 15 year old kid, he goes to church for about a year and serves deaconhood, but eventually he gets tired of it. All right. I'm, I'm going to do something very controversial. I'm going to say something like parents, if you're listening, this is for you. Now, I know the minute I say this, <laughs> people are going to start making comments. Oh, that that American deacon doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, and like people are going to go and like ask other people and they're like, oh, no, this guy doesn't know. He doesn't know anything. I'm I'm, I'm going to read to you. OK, I, that's true. I don't know anything. I don't know anything, but I can read. Right. And I'm going to read to you what Fetahanagast, Fetahanagast, literally the rules of the kingdom. Right. Or the kings has to say on deaconhood. Again, this is canonized book within the church that of course a lot of people refer to for matters of canon and when it comes to the deacon it says the following may a deacon not be appointed before his age is 25 years old may a deacon not be appointed before his age is 25 years old. This is actually what Fetanagus has to say. A deacon is somebody who is ordained past the age of 25. Now, some people say, but that's in the old times. Clearly, that's not what it is now because I've seen young kids being ordained. It goes on to say, And this law for the deacon is within the new law. It can't be more explicit than this. It is very, very very clear. And then it gives the reasoning behind it. It is impossible for a man to bring about good deeds except after this period. Essentially what this is saying is before the age of 25, he's unable to make important decisions. Chapter 7, verse 243. You can go and see it for yourself. Clearly, like, yes, kids can... Do good things. I'm not saying like young kids cannot do good things. But what what I what this is saying is what Fatanagus is telling us is at this age, they're unable to make important decisions that are like that's gonna require a lifelong decision at like 15, 14 years old. Again, parents, if you're listening, would you let your 15-year-old child get married? Like if you brought somebody home and said, But I'm in love, mom. Like, I really want to do this. What do you say? Well, you know, well, my kid, really? I mean, this is his idea. Or would you just let him get married? All right, forget about getting married. Would you b- let him buy a car on his own or or quit school or join the military or even like something uh, trivial as traveling the world by himself at 15 years old? Would you let him do that? 
then why would you let him become a deacon, which is requiring more commitment? I mean, this is this is huge. As a deacon, he becomes a member of the soldiers that are there to represent the kingdom of heaven. He's in a spiritual warfare against all the wickedness that's in within this world. And the deacon is, is preserved for that office. It's a huge office. Again, I've said this before. I'll say it again. When we first started, there was a shortage of deacons. It made sense to ordain deacons. Right now, there is no shortage of deacons. There is, however, a shortage of Christians. We don't have enough Christians. We need to start focusing all our energy on how to produce more and more Christians. That's the reality. How much more the world can be if we are able to do that. Now, having said all this, I wouldn't trade my ordination for anything in the world. Like, I'm proud to be a deacon. It defines who I am. It is who I am. Every single day, I thank God for allowing me to serve him in this way. Of course, I can serve him anyway. But in this way, I I thank God for uh, giving me this opportunity. So it's not all these things that I'm, I'm, I'm saying. I, I don't want you to confuse it. I'm not saying being a deacon is a bad thing and stay away from it and oh no and whatever. But it is a bad thing if you become a deacon for the wrong reasons. And what appears to be happening, especially the past five years or so, is people are becoming ordained for the wrong reasons. So parents have a big, big role to play with it. So if you're listening out there, you're asking yourself, how do I know if I'm ready to become a deacon? So you say there's a wrong reason to do it. What if, how do I know if, I, if I'm doing it for the right reasons? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, it says the following. In the same way, deacons must be well respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. So, And then it goes on to list the criteria that's needed in order to become a deacon. So if you're thinking about becoming a deacon, I strongly advise that you read 1 Timothy chapter 3 and see if you meet these criteria that are listed. Now, we just don't have enough time to get through everything today. Um, but in the book, which you should be reading along, I list out some of the criteria and I talk about them in detail. But for the purpose of the podcast, I would like to just highlight one or two of them. So you can get an idea of what it means and, and the type of criteria that are needed in order to become a deacon. I think the most important one, and really like we can, this kind of captures all the other uh, criteria is being an example. See, I had an interview just yesterday about the issues of deaconhood within the Oriental Orthodox Church with uh, the Syriac Orthodox deacons. And we were talking in the Eritrean Orthodox uh, deacon was there, deacon uh, Yaman, I believe. And we were talking about some of the issues. And, and it's important to understand that deacons are the ears and eyes of the priest. That's to say that a priest... Like, he's serving day and night. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's focused on the services and, like, coming to your house and, like, talking to you and confession all this. He has a lot of stuff to do. So he doesn't really have the time to sit down and, and, and understand the issues that are, that he's, that the people are going through. 
It's up to the deacon to understand the issues and and support and, and report back to the priest about the things that are happening. I'll tell you a true story. True story. Uh, a friend of mine who's a clergy member was uh, telling me that he goes to church every Sunday. And especially when it comes to Advent, which is Christmas, he just gets angry when he hears people don't come to church. He's like, how do you not come to church on the day where we were commemorating the birth of Christ? Like, how does that happen? And it just so happened he got a job, which required him working long hours, right? And this past Advent, he had to work like very, very long hours. And like, he only had like two hours before the church service for the Christmas uh, service started. And he was thinking to himself, I can't go. And the whole thing was off-putting for him. And that's because he understood the pain that the congregation go through. You see? Once you understand the issue and the troubles that the congregation are going through, you can minister to them in a certain way. And of course, as a deacon, now, now my friend, once he understood this, no more would he be harsh on people if they say, of course, we should go to church every Sunday. That's not what I'm saying. We should go to church all the time. But at least you can you can have sympathy for people who are saying that they're tired. And it is the job of the deacon to go assimilate with the, with the world, to assimilate with the congregation, understand the problems they're having, a report back to the priest. This is the job of a deacon, right? And part of that means to set a good example. For example, if you go to school, you're getting good grades. And somebody says, how are you getting good grades? You could say, through prayer and fasting, right? If you have a job and you keep getting uh, bonuses and stuff like that, and somebody says, how are you doing this? You could say, well, I, 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 I go to church and I pray and I believe my faith is really helping me. And it is our job to assimilate with the rest of the congregation and show them what Christianity looks like. That is the job of a deacon. You see, we have to be real, true life examples within the world. The priest is busy. He has a different role to play. But it's up to the deacons to really assimilate with the congregation. This is why. This is why social media is a big, big deal. I'm still, I, I just can't understand why people who consider themselves ser servants of, of God are posting things of themselves, of themselves, cursing, uh, drinking at a club, and, 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 and taking pictures that are just not appropriate. Like, what are you doing? You're a servant of God. There's a certain level of respect you have to bring to the office. Please, please stop. Be an example for your brothers. Be an example for your sisters. Be an example for the congregation. Now, in the book, I, I bring about the idea of, you know, the example of a Catholic priest. Like, when I say Catholic priest, what do you think about? Something not good, right? That's the reality. Why? Because, well, Catholic priests have done things that are not good. But the reality is, a lot of Catholic priests are very good, honest people, but there are few Catholic priests who have done something extremely immoral that it's leaving this kind of like shadow and like this negative image of the entire priesthood within the Catholic Church. Unfortunately, that's the same thing that's that's happening to the Orthodox Church because the actions of some deacons, the entire church will be painted as being negative. 
So if you are finding yourself in this way, repent your sins. Don't be a fool. Do it now. Change your ways. Be the best deacon that you can be. Now, another issue that I've seen kind of uh, resurfacing is this issue of vainglory or widase kantu. And this is really the fault of both parents and clergy as well as con the congregation. And that's this whole idea of like, you know, especially if a, a deacon has a good voice, people go up to him, wow, you're amazing, you're great, wow, you're this and this. And, and at a 14, 15-year-old, that does something not very good to him. That does something very not good to him. So what happens is he thinks... He's a lot better than he actually is. And this is when we say, oh, it got up to his head. You know, a lot of times, oh, well, he kept being told that he was good. It got to his head. That's what vainglory is. I've heard the best sermon ever one day. When God, when the devil can't get you to do bad things, he makes you to do good things. Because when you do good things, you start thinking, I'm great. I don't need God, right? I'm, I'm already good. And there's nobody better than me. And and yeah, like I'm the best and, and all this stuff. And I hear 14, 15-year-old deacons sitting and laughing at priests. Oh, look at him. He couldn't do the Zema correctly. Oh, look at him. He doesn't even know this. Oh, look at him. He couldn't. And, and, and it's this idea that if you think that's the spirit of God, you've completely missed it. Instead of serving, you're performing. Right? And it's this ideology that's ruining the church. True story. I was suffering with vainglory. Like, after I, I would give a sermon, people would come and they would say, wow, you did good and stuff. And I'll be like, wow, my goodness, I did good. And it was really testing me. So you know what I started to do? Right after I would give a sermon, I would walk out. I would walk out. If you go to YOTC, and look at the pictures of like the early, early sermons and the early services that we used to do. Like everybody would come together and take a group picture. I'm not in them. I think there's like one or two pictures of me within like the group pictures. Because most of them, I give a sermon and I leave. I'm nowhere to be found. Because I just don't want to hear it, right? It was testing me. Like it was really bothering me. And if you're suffering from vainglory, then do something with it. And I think the problem is because... Most of the trainings for deacons are, are geared towards memorizing the prayers, saying with Dasi Maram, doing the Kaddasi, which are all good things. But there needs to be a focus about how to grow spiritually. And not enough attention is, is being given there, right? Like, out of the deacons, how many of us are really confessing? And I mean really, truly confessing, right? How many of us have a repentant heart? How many of us are taking the time to read the Bible, not to give a sermon, not to teach about it, but to, 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 to hear the word of God? How many of us go to, to church on Sunday, not to criticize the Kaddasi, not to criticize the voice, but to actually be part of it? These are important things that we need to focus on as deacons. The last point that I want to touch up on is, of course, the closer you come to the church, the more things you're going to start to see that are troublesome and bothersome. Like, my mom would often vocally say that she didn't want me to come close to the church. And I'd be like, Mom, what are you doing? Because my mom is a church person. And I'm like, why would you say that? And the truth of the matter is, there are people within the church who you look up to, who are supposed to be mentors, but they do things that are unchristian-like. And that could really, really bother you. That could shake your foundations of faith, right? Especially even, even forget priests or other people within the church, even among us deacons, those of us who we call brothers, we 
put a fake smile on, a front in front of each other, but close the door and start saying bad things about each other. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Shame on us. Even us deacons that we claim we're brothers and yes, we're together and we love each other. But in honesty, what is the motivation that keeps us moving forward? Is it truly the word of God? Is it truly to serve God or is it to push our own agenda? If it's to serve God, why is there a division among us? Why is there fractions among us? Why do we talk about each other behind our back? This is the reality that we have to start thinking about. The problem of today is that we have no spirituality. This is why I say there's a shortage of Christians. We hold the blood of our, the, our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ in our hands. But inside our hearts, we still have division and hatred for one another. We care more about pushing our own agenda than coming together and working under the umbrella of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. This is the truth. God is watching us. But it's not just about the deacons. It can just be that even the priests that you look up to may not be doing the things that they're supposed to do. So you often find yourself asking, what do I do about this? If a priest is doing something, do I speak up? Like if I know what he's doing is wrong, do I speak up or do I look away or do I join him? Well, the first thing that you need to do is pray about it. Pray for him. If you see a priest that's doing something wrong or a deacon that's doing something wrong or somebody that you think has fallen, pray for him. Then pray for him again. Then remember to stay in your lane. <laughs> I know that sucks and that's not what you want to be, what you want to hear. But the truth of the matter is we have to learn how to stay in our lane. The Bible is very clear. If you're entrusted with little things, then you'll be entrusted with large ones. Right now, you are a deacon. You're entrusted with the small responsibility that you have. Honor that. There will become a time where you might be an administrator of the church or even a bishop and you could do something about it. Now, when I say this, I know it's not always easy. I know it's not always easy, but we have to remember we are Christians and so we have to deal with things from a Christian perspective. I'll tell you a, a, a last story. I know I'm about uh, time, uh, but I, I, I want to make sure I, I tell you this story. A priest told me this, and I, I, like, I like sharing this story because it really, really uh, sets the tone um, for, for what it means to be a deacon. One time, and it's a true story, a bishop was outside of the church praying, and a young kid came up to him, and, and, and he was screaming and yelling. He said, hey, uh, there are deacons inside the church fighting. Please, please, please fix it. And the bishop looked at him and said, why don't you go inside and fix it? Now, here's here's something uh, that we need to understand. Number one, it's a shame that deacons are fighting within the church. But again, that's exactly what we are seeing right now. But the words of the bishop is number one saying, why don't you take initiative to do so? Instead of coming to me, why don't you fix it? Right. So deacons out there, if you see a problem within the church, take initiative to fix what's what's going on around you. Older deacons. Take the initiative to mentor the young deacons when you see them doing something wrong. Don't pass it. Speak up and say, hey, you, deacon, come here. No, this is the way you're supposed to do it. Speak up. The second thing what the, the bishop was saying by go in there and fix it was become a deacon and through an example, show them what it means to be a deacon. Become a priest and start 
uh, uh, training young kids how to be a proper deacon, become a bishop and start ordaining deacons who are called for the purpose of God. So what it means is we have to take initiative to fix the issues that we, we see around us. Yes, there's a problem of young deacons today, but complaining about it is not enough, especially the older deacons that are out there. I, I see time and time again, especially when we reach, uh, let's be honest, when we reach about 30 years old, we start saying, okay, well, there's new deacons now. I'll kind of step away and let, let them do their thing. And I'll come and, you know, like whenever I'm needed, I'll, I'll do my thing. But that's not it. We have to take more and more initiatives. Step up to the plate. If you, This is your church as much as it's anybody else's. The job of a deacon is to be the ears of the priest. When we go into the congregation and, and, and assimilate with them, and we, we, we become examples of, of what it means to be a Christian, and then we come back to the priest and tell them about the burdens and the issues that the rest of the, the world is having. And this is, and, and this is how the church can fulfill its mission. The deacons are the backbone of the church, and we have to understand that. The challenge for this week is to write a one-page paper on the teachings of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. And if you want to, post it on social media. And if, if you don't have social media, just share it with friends. But make sure that you review this with a clergy member so you understand that the teachings are within the doctrines of the church. I know I'm a little bit uh, over time today, but... Like I said, there's a lot of important things that I wanted to cover, and and uh, yeah, it was important to do that. So uh, next week is the last one. I'm sorry to do this. Uh, chapter 11, what's next? Hope you join us then. What's happening to be In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Mm-hmm.